Welcome in on this Wednesday morning here on KMBZ. So there was some violence to talk about from the weekend. Dublin is not the place I thought we would be talking about something like this, but nonetheless. Yeah, no kidding. Here we are. And and there is there's a development in this story that is so completely galling to a lot of people that uh, this is not being received terribly well. Here's what went on. There was a shooting that took place on Christmas. Guy walked into a bar with a gun and, you know, like a restaurant bar. Uh, It was actually a steakhouse. And Mm -hmm. uh, so he walked in uh, and fired a couple of shots, hit a guy, and that man is now in critical condition. He did not die. But authorities believe that the reason this guy did this is because of an ongoing turf battle that's going on in terms of drug sales in Dublin. And again, I'm with you, Jamie. This Dublin. is this is not the place I would have thought. You know, Dublin, mm-hmm. Ireland, home of drug gangs, and yet here we are. So it's what happened afterward that's causing all of the consternation. So this guy walks in, fires the shot, and is immediately jumped by other patrons at the bar. As he's leaving, they start beating him, and he was beaten and stabbed to death. The gunman was. Now, keep in mind, again, the man that he shot is not dead. He's in critical condition. But they said that he was uh, aiming at him and his son who were there eating at this steakhouse. And uh, that's when the crowd just decided, oh, no, not today, not here. They jump this guy, start beating and stabbing him. He's killed. And now... His mother has started a funeral GoFundMe for the gunman who is dead. He's And again, he's the only person in this story who died. But mom has now started a GoFundMe talking about how, oh, everybody loved him and he loved motorcycles and he was such a great guy. And I don't know how well that's going to go over. Okay, so I want to be clear if you're having a hard time following who was stabbed and who died here and by whom because i know it's a little Mm -hmm. it's a little tricky um you have a gunman who went into this restaurant and police think he was targeting a father and son who were known to police there again because of this organized crime stuff so he goes in he shoots a guy that guy's in critical condition bystanders and this sounds very dublin to me attack the gunman and he is stabbed to death by the people that took him down yes is it self-defense <sighs> wow <laughs> yeah that's kind of the central question here is i mean we've talked before about stopping the threat and how that's as far as you're now this is ireland and, and so the laws may be a little bit different right. than ours but here that's as far as you're allowed to go is you're allowed to stop the threat now sometimes stopping the threat means killing the guy but were was there an ongoing threat from him if he was attempting to retreat and they chased him down and <clears throat> beat him up and stabbed him to death then technically no um i don't know that there will be anybody really eager to prosecute them because he did just shoot a guy right and that's the question is were they justified in uh, how much of the response was justified and how much of, and you can totally picture this happening. A group of people, I can't picture it happening in a steakhouse on Christmas Eve, but you can picture <laughs> yeah. it happening where, you know, a guy walks in and starts shooting. There are kids there. I mean, customers get riled up. It's a bunch of people together that just charge at the guy. I don't know how a knife, but it's a steakhouse. I mean, it could have been a steak sure. knife for all we know. It probably you know? was. And it might have just been, and I wish I knew this, it might have been one 
one cut, one stab is all it took. And if that's what it was, to me, that's more understandable, forgivable, less criminal than if it was multiple times. You know, if you just go at him once and that's you stabilizing the threat, that's different than stabbing the guy from 15 different directions. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and how do you take any individual person out of that? If you've got 10 people who jump this guy and are beating and stabbing him, how do you know who killed him? Somebody would have to admit that yeah, and own it and say, heck yeah, I did. And this very, that seems very Irish too. Like, heck yeah, he came in and he was a threat and we didn't know if he was going to keep shooting, which is true. You didn't know what he was going to do and if he was going to keep shooting or not. Yeah, and I guess that would hinge on were they able to get the gun away from him? You know, during that beating at some point, were they able to get the gun away from him? And at that point, he's no longer a threat. And I'm I'm not going to get down on anybody in this story for doing what they did to him. I'm just not. He walked in and... They didn't know. I mean, they didn't know there was a drug turf battle going on, and that's why this happened. And even if they did, uh, you walk into a crowded steakhouse like that on Christmas Eve and fire a shot, I don't really trust that guy to hit his target and not hit anybody behind him. So clearly he was a threat who had to be eliminated. The question becomes, was that threat eliminated before he was killed? Meaning... Could you just have taken him to the ground? And if they did. And held him there instead of stabbing him to death. Right, right. Uh, So, and that's more of a legal question. Like I said, I mean, anybody that was involved in that, if they believed through that entire incident that they were protecting themselves and the other people in that restaurant, if I'm on a jury, he's they're walking. I Yeah, I, 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 what's the line? What's the line there? Uh, we can go to the phones yeah, here. Let's do that. Let's bring in Ryan in Overland Park and see what he's got to say. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Grayson. Uh, Merry Hi. Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas back. Thanks. So, honestly, I think these people all deserve a medal. I don't care if there was 20 of them stabbing them 15 different times apiece. He came there with the sole intent of murdering people. Why does it matter who did it or how many times they did it? This guy had that coming, full tilt. Yeah, so safe to assume you're not going to be donating to mom's GoFundMe for the funeral? <laughs> no, they don't arrest her for even putting up something so stupid. I know. I just, yeah, I, I guess they, she must just be hoping that that people will see the GoFundMe and not know the name and put it together with what he did. What he did. Yeah, I guess potentially there are people that are that brainless, but yep. I ain't one of them. <laughs> there you go. Ryan, thanks. Um, yeah, Is there a link to the GoFundMe? Do you, have a, do you have the link? Uh, I don't know that there was a link in the story. I think in okay. a case like that, they're probably not going to. But, okay. Um, I'm just curious to know what yeah. she says <laughs> in defense of why that's up there. Yeah, I, uh, they did quote several items out of it. Like I said, she she made reference to him being, you know, enjoying motorcycles and, you know, being uh, just generally a good guy. Uh, here it is. Okay. She said, we made this to raise money for his funeral costs in this difficult time. After she says, my son was murdered on Christmas Eve. She said, we're absolutely heartbroken that this has happened. He was well known for his love of motorcycles and loved by many. He was an amazing son, brother, father, and friend. We can't believe life has to go on without him. Um, That's the end of their quote from the GoFundMe. And it, of course, doesn't mention anything about the fact that he was involved in an attempted murder, allegedly, when he was killed. Um, real quick, who escaped in the Audi? It looks like the men in the Audi outside realized that things had not gone to plan and sped off. 
I, I believe those were accomplices of his. Okay. Okay. So that's the problem too, is that um, this was a part of an organized, you know, since 2019, they have been tracking this particular group of people yep. uh, that were having trouble. So if you have thoughts here on what should happen, to, assuming they ever find or figure out who this was that did this, and I bet they won't. I, I bet it was just too many people involved. Nobody will admit to it. Yeah. It'll what, never get that far. What they're asking for now is they're asking for the public's help. If anybody has video of it, um, mm -hmm. because that's what we do now. If a fracas mm -hmm. breaks out, we grab our phones and get, get get video for Instagram. But they're saying anybody that has video footage or that is an eyewitness and saw what happened, saw who might have been involved in this, then uh, you know the police are asking for them to come forward. Now, there's also the possibility here, because they said that he was targeting the man and his son. That doesn't mean they were the only per people at that table. Right. And if this was a drug fight, then what's to say that the other the, you know, people that jumped this guy didn't do so because they were retaliating? You know, it does put it in a slightly different air if it wasn't just what it apparently was, which is other patrons in the restaurant. What I think is interesting, too, and you may have seen this and I didn't, is that I've not seen anything from police like telling the public Hey, the next time this happens, stay out of it. Yes, <laughs> no, you're right. You yeah, I, I didn't see any statement of anything like that. Um, yeah, they they the only statement that they said was related to the condition. They said a man in his 20s was fatally injured. A uh, second man in his 40s continues to receive treatment for gunshot wounds, and that yeah. the man in his 20s that they're referring to is the guy that was stabbed to death. Yeah, uh, if we hear more about it, we'll certainly pass it along. If you have thoughts. 913-586-7798. Uh, still to come this hour, State of Nevada, and they might not be the only ones to do this, but they're the latest one to do it, is going to let you put a particular signal sign on your driver's license to indicate to people that you have one of these certain diseases. What's the usefulness of that? We'll get to that coming up on KMBZ. Okay, next story comes to us out of Nevada. They might not be the only state doing it, but it's the first time I've heard of a state doing it. If you're aware that this happens elsewhere, I'll be curious to know that. Uh, but they are going to allow um, residents of Nevada getting driver's licenses or IDs with a list of conditions that we'll talk about here to have a symbol put on their driver's license to indicate, click on that, there's a way to read that, and then that ties to a database so that whoever finds your license knows that you have one of these conditions. Yeah, it's called the Star of Life, and you've probably seen it before. It's got the, what is it called, a caduceus, the thing with the, the snake around the pole, the, the medical symbol. Does my face tell you I have no clue that that's? Oh, I know the I know the symbol that you're talking about. I didn't know that that's what that was called. Yeah, and and so it's got these three crossed lines behind that, like an asterisk, and it's blue, and it's got that that figure in the middle of it. Um, so yeah, that's what it is, and it's kind of an alert on the license that you suffer from a condition of some kind, and that can be tied to a code on the back of the license that that explains which one of them you have or which ones of them you have. What I compared it to in our thread this morning was the the medical alert bracelets that the, you know they yeah. you can get these things and they uh, some of them are on necklaces but a lot of them are on bracelets that you flip over it's a little symbol and it, it has that same thing on it only in red um, and you flip it over and it says I'm diabetic if so if there, or something like that so if you collapse or I have heart failure that they know what it is that was probably behind the fact that you collapsed and can't answer any questions about your own health it's pretty cheap. It's $3.25 if you want to update the information on the card. Um, 
and you'll have to film out a fill out a form that your doctor then completes and turns into the DMV. I dropped my license. That's why I dropped out there for a second because I was looking <laughs> on mine to see what <laughs> like, mine shows. Jamie go? <laughs> yeah, because I cannot see six inches in front of my face mm-hmm. without contacts or, or glasses, and it's always been that way. And I was looking to see what is on my license. Oh, you have a Kansas driver's license, so is yes. Colin. Anybody, what's the yellow star in the corner of your license mean? That's, on the front? that's the real ID star. That's okay. telling you that you qualify so that's for there. the, yeah. So on the back, very small, it says restrictions. And I mean, it's it, this is like four-point type. Restrictions, and then it says A, corrective licenses, or corrective lenses oh, okay. on the back. I don't know how that shows in other on other licenses, but that's one of the conditions on here is some level of vision impairment. Okay, yeah, and mine has nothing. It says endorsements, none, restrictions, none. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's it's set up similarly, even though we're in different states. So, yeah, I guess this would just be one more thing to add on to there. And I guess, I mean, it's, it's not like who's going to be against it, right? Who's going to say, no, right. they shouldn't do this. But you ask a valid question, which is, it, it, is this going to be utilized? Will we get any benefit from this? from having people spend this three bucks or whatever it is to get this on their license. And why those conditions? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did we run them down the, the, the list of them? Uh, I don't think we did, but we can. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and it's some of the things that you might expect. Hemophilia is on there. Uh, so, uh, and I believe, let me get back over. I've got it. it. I can, did, I yeah. Go ahead. Uh, vision impairment, chronic obstruction, pulmonary disease, autism, deafness, depression, diabetes, epilepsy, hemophilia, schizophrenia, mental illness, in a very generic line there, and food allergies. Depression is kind of a strange one. I agree. Um, I agree. It's interesting that depression is separate, schizophrenia is separate, and and mental illness is separate. mental illness, right. Yeah, I'm curious to know why. Um, Why are these the conditions? I'm trying to think of the instances in which your license would be found and you would not be able to communicate to someone, like I'm thinking of car wrecks, right? Yeah. Is, is what most of us think of. Why are these the conditions that someone who found your license would need to know before you get medical care? Sure. Um, okay. I can I can come up with one possible, and you can poke holes in this one if you, if you uh, mm-hmm. want. Uh, one possible way that that might help is in a traffic stop. So... Okay. That's also because I was thinking, okay, not only, I mean, if there's, there's been a problem with mental health crises and police showing up without a mental health counselor, yes. don't, don't know how to deal with, cause they weren't trained to, you know, how to yes. deal with somebody that, that is schizophrenic or has some kind of severe mental illness, but how would they see his driver's license to be able to know right. that? So right. if, if you're a cop and you stop somebody and they give you their license and you notice that on the back, then you would at least be prepared for things to start to go sideways. You would know what was going on if there was some kind of reaction that didn't make any sense to you. Okay, I like that. That's, yeah, it's, that makes sense to me for the mental health conditions that are on this list. That if if you would be well aided by a mental health professional at that traffic stop, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with those for, for whatever that is. I apologize for asking the dumb question. I know it's tied to your driver's license. Is there a way that you could tie it to your plates? Oh, because wow. again, in a traffic stop, yeah. before they approach the, I, if I'm an officer, I want to know this before I even walk up to the window. 
they're not going to have your license yet. That's that's an even better idea. Although I guess the the potential downfall of that is that people wouldn't get it because they wouldn't want anybody else to know. So that's what's interesting about it, right? Is that it's self-reporting. You can't you can't force someone to do it. Yep. Yeah, I mean your boss would know. Right. Now, they wouldn't know what the symbol indicates exactly. They wouldn't know which of those conditions, and maybe they don't care. Yeah, but if you have that on, on your license plate, just that star, mm-hmm. and then by looking up your vehicle tag, the cop could have your license come up in front of him, and that would tell him. Yeah. Then maybe that, yeah, maybe that's not a bad idea. Um, but, yeah, for, for the physical conditions, those are a little bit easier to figure out because you could have that situation where somebody just, bang, hits the floor – Nobody knows why. But in that case, see, I'm I'm more attuned to the use of something like a medic alert bracelet for that because you would have to go digging for a driver's license. Assuming they have it on them. Yeah. Or that it's that it's easy to find. Okay. So I now am on board with anything on this list that would cause you to go into some kind of physical shock. Like if you're having if you're blo- low blood sugar, you go into diabetic shock, yep. I'm on board with that. Epilepsy, same thing. You're having a seizure behind the wheel. I get that. It's also just information you would want um, doctors to know before you get, like, hemophilia. I get get why that's on there. Mm -hmm. Um, Deafness, I get, because you want to have someone with you that then can interpret if that's necessary. Autism is interesting. Yeah. Um, And that maybe goes along with the uh, you know the the other designations we were talking about like depression and mental illness and schizophrenia that if if you're not trained to deal with somebody who has severe mm-hmm. autism now chances are well I was gonna say, I was gonna say something stupid so I'm just not gonna say it <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because I don't know but yeah if if you're dealing with that sort of thing you would want to have somebody who has special training in that yeah and the food allergies same thing if you're going into if you accidentally ate nuts and you're not supposed to have nuts okay. Let's yeah. Let's go to Lance and Lawrence. He's got something to say about all of this. Hello, Lance. Hey, how's it going? Um, so I worked with a guy at uh, a local, uh, well, at KU actually, um, but he has autism. And so when he first meets you, he won't, he he can't communicate with you. And I'd hear him get on the phone and talk to his family like a normal person. But when he first meets you, he has some kind of mental blocker. Um, I, you know, there was this guy named Jesse that got hired on, and then sure enough. You know, Jesse would say something to Daniel, and Daniel would just nod or shake his head, but he couldn't talk to mm-hmm. him, like like communicate with him. So I would imagine if a cop, I, he drives a car and he's autistic, but he's fully functional autistic. And, but if he, you know, if he got pulled over by a cop, I'm pretty sure the cop might become aggro-aggressive, end up yanking him out of the car and arrest him because he wouldn't communicate with him. You know what I mean? Like, like and, it would be, yeah, and they might take that as resistive behavior if you're not answering. Right. Yeah, right. You know, I'm speaking to you, answer, answer my question. I've seen cops get aggressive over little things. Um, good cops are, you know, a little more attuned. But, yeah, if he had some kind of signal on his car that let them know that he's autistic, then that would certainly help him out because then they'd be like, oh, oh, okay, I need someone who can communicate with this guy to communicate with me through this yeah. guy or something. I don't know. All right. Yeah, yeah. well said. Hey, Lance, it's very you. well, yeah. And yeah, j- any time j- where communication is going to be misinterpreted. Yep. And, Jamie, that goes right back to your suggestion, which I'm liking more and more, which is put that symbol on the license plate. Put it on the back of the car. Maybe that's more complicated than I think. Why can't we just do whatever? Put that <laughs> that way before you walk up to the window. And somebody just said, well, what if it's your spouse driving and not you? I mean, yeah, what if your kid borrowed your car? <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's the same thing.
But at least, yeah, they, at least they would know based on that symbol that there there is reason to be cautious. And then once they get up and get your driver's license away from you and they can take a look at it and go, oh, it's not that guy. It's his son or it's his spouse or whatever. They're fine. I, I should be able to talk to them. 913-586-7798 if you want in here. Uh, still to come this hour, there is a list of suggestions out about what you should keep in your glove compartment. We'll get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Talking about the story out of Nevada, Department of Motor Vehicles is going to be adding the star of life to your driver's license or ID card. Let me rephrase. If you want it there, you can have it added there for the big fee of $3.25. And it would be a way for if, if an officer or somebody pulls you over, you're in a wreck, they see that on your license, they look up your license, that's a way for them to look and see. And it's linked to, there's a list of about a dozen medical conditions here that are eligible for you to get that symbol. That way they know, here's what might have happened. Yes, and so if you're unable to communicate for one reason or another, they would have a better indication of what might be going on with you. Like Jamie said, if you're in a wreck and uh, and you have one of these uh, physical uh, disabilities or, or physical ailments, they would have a better idea of how to treat you for that. So not only would it be good for police, it would be good for paramedics as well. Dustin and Waldo wanted to weigh in. Hey, Dustin, what's going on? Hey, how you guys doing? Great. Great. So I actually see a couple of other kind of convenient things for this that would be useful, such as you don't want something to be able to prove that, yes, you have this without needing to carry a whole medical record or going to get a medical record to prove it, such as certain jobs have, uh, you know, ADA desks, or you go to the airport and you need a special accommodation, or, you know, you're going to a major event and they have certain things that can impact you that you need to, you know, hey, schizophrenia, you don't want to go with schizophrenia and be in a big crowded area without having something to take care of it. And you don't want to necessarily go announcing that out loud to the world either. Exactly. So by having something convenient on a simple license that they can flip over, see the code, boom, okay, we know you are in a certain category of XYZ. We don't have to go through a lot of hassle. We don't have to go through a lot of paperwork. We don't want to do anything crazy. It's proving a set. Let's get you taken care of. Move Good on. deal. Yep, exactly. I love it. Uh, Dustin, thank you. I'm going to come back to what you said about, um, and, and several of you made this point, but just about it being a way to know. And again, if you know before you approach the car, if they're nonverbal, if they are easily spooked by one thing or another, it's a way for you to know that before you approach the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or and, when and, you talk to them. And that's a reason to do it, too. And, mm-hmm. and I think if we're looking for, because a, a couple of people have said, you know, th- this would be a violation of HIPAA. Nothing's a violation of HIPAA if you voluntarily do it. And if you're looking for a reason to convince people to do it, by putting, you know, as you said before, Jamie, by putting that symbol on the driver on the license plate to give a, si- a signal to the cops, hey, there might be somebody in this car who has a condition you need to know about. You don't need to put what the condition is. Just let them know there's something to look for. Check the, the driver's license that's associated with this car. Right. And And you can find more information before you even walk up. That when it comes to things like autism and uh, mental illness of any stripe, that it's in your best interest to give that signal to them before they come up and you have to interact with them. If they already know that there might be an issue there, then they're going to be a little bit potentially more careful about how that interaction begins so that they don't put you on the defensive and make it hard for everybody. Yeah, and hopefully the next thing that happens is that training is given to emergency responders of if it says autism, here's what you need to do differently. Yep. Because they're going to take the first step.
take the other steps. So they then know what to do with it there. So, sure. all right, moving on here. Lifehacker is one of my favorite Twitter accounts. I didn't see this one, <laughs> but you did. But I love, I follow that Twitter account um, and click on it often. Yeah, and this this was great because not only did it give you some really good advice about this, about what would seem a really banal thing. I mean, we've talked before about what we have in the glove compartment of our cars. Mm -hmm. And with most of us, it's things like extra straws and, and napkins. <laughs> the pile of napkins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it used to be full of maps. Uh, you know, Now nobody uses them anymore because of GPS. But, uh, you know, things like that. Sometimes the owner's manual is still in there. Sometimes mm -hmm. it isn't. Because it does take up a lot of space now. Those <clears throat> things are like dictionaries. So um, it, it, it's just a collection of random stuff, change, you know, that's that you'll never, ever use because it's so far down in there. You'd have to dig for it anyway. But they ask a guy, uh, a mechanic by the name of Todd uh, Bialyshevsky of Junk Car Medics, what should you have in your glove compartment? What could actually come in handy for you to have in there? And like I said, they gave a little bit of history along with it, but he came up with some really good ideas. So I just looked at this list for the first time. Okay. Out of the eight things on this list, <laughs> yeah. I have three uh -huh. of the eight. I think we have uh, one. Maybe okay. Now I don't feel bad. Maybe two. Maybe <laughs> okay. two. But you know, this has convinced me. And and none of this stuff is terribly expensive either. Or or big. Or big. And and wouldn't because it wouldn't fit. Um. But yeah, it's not going to break the bank to go out and equip your glove box with what he says should be in there. Which two do you have? Um. I have three on this list. Oh, and which I'm, three? Yeah. Do people? Do we still have to carry our registration with us? Generally, no. They uh, they because they used to ask if you got pulled uh -huh. over, it was driver's license and registration. It seems that most departments now have switched to driver's license and proof of insurance. Okay. So I guess they figure they can tell from the license plate if you, if your car is registered correctly. Right. So I care. So I guess I have four on this list. Proof of insurance. I always figure I can pull up on the app on my phone. Yep. If I need to, I do have a flashlight. I also have a flashlight on my keyring, little one, if I need it. Um, I do have to squeeze like the little yeah. LED lights. Yeah. I just went through and got like personal, a personal little alarm for my, for my key ring too. So that's on there. Mm -hmm. I do carry the manual to my car okay. and I need it sometimes. I've, I've needed to look it up for various reasons that have come up. Um, proof of insurance and registration is on here and I carry two tire pressure gauges oh, really? all the time. Okay. I don't know why <laughs> there's two, you but probably there just didn't realize you had one, bought another one and threw it in there and yeah. now there's two. But yeah, yeah what, what one of the suggestions they make is indeed a flashlight. And that's one of the ones I don't think we have. Um, we really should. And, and it doesn't cost much to get a little cheap, like a mag light or something, the yep. little tiny ones. And they're excellent. I mean, they're incredibly effective. And if something goes wrong at night, well, you're going to be shafted without one. There's your vehicle manual is in there, proof of insurance and registration, tire pressure gauge, which is one of the ones I think we do have, a pen and paper. And I think we've got both of those in the glove box. Uh, but he said, you know, sometimes exchanging information after an accident, you've got to write things down. Uh, you've got to write down the other guy's contact information or whatever. And it's it's simple to have it. Now, you might say, well, I've got the notepad app on my phone yeah, and I can use that in a pinch. Yeah, that's true. But if you've got the pen and paper, sometimes it's just easier to find. And they also I have about 12 pens in my purse. Okay. Always. And I always figure there's a receipt somewhere, probably if I were to need it or napkins, same idea. Contrary to popular opinion, I do not carry a purse. So <laughs> we've had this conversation. 
at length. Yes, it's. I think it's one of the reasons my wife and I are still together. Um, but it, but yeah, she she does the same thing. She's got a couple of pens and things like that in her purse. But if I'm out there alone, I would not have ready access to one. I don't carry a pen on me. Dad always had them in the shirt pocket. Yeah, mine too. Because yeah. you know, he was a salesman and that's what he did. Uh, but yeah, the one that, that makes the most sense, and I think we do have one somewhere in the car, but I don't think it's in the glove compartment, is a mini first aid kit. Just little stuff. I mean, you know, a little mercur- what is it, mercurochrome or, mm-hmm. you know, and Band-Aids and whatever. Uh, sometimes even things like a little bit of string or floss or something is a good idea to have. And... I mean, it, there obviously there are some things in car accidents that you're not going to be able to fix with a mini first aid kit. But if you mm-hmm. can, then have that stuff. I don't have that either. And I should because I carry a mini kit with me when I travel. Yep. And I could just put the same thing in my glove box. Uh, I do not carry a multi-tool. Again, in my should, glove box. we should and do not. Mostly because I wouldn't. I'm trying to think of a circumstance. And this applies to the one after this, too. Mm-hmm which I am going to use a multi-tool to fix something on my vehicle that I'm not calling AAA for. Right, right. Um, The only thing that I can think of for having a multi-tool like a Swiss Army knife, for example, is to be able to cut through a seatbelt if you need to. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Even if you're not the the most handy person in the world. And and look, I mean, with our car, with the electric one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing in that thing. I would have have no idea what. But for little adjustments and things like that, uh, I mean, if a screw does fall out, the world is an imperfect place after all. Then you'd be able to at least screw it back in. Um, and, And the last one on the list is spare fuses. I am never purchasing (laughs) nor installing a spare fuse. Um, they do sell any auto parts store will have an assortment, just a little, you know, one of each. It'll have like a five amp, a 10 amp, Mm -hmm. a 15 amp and a 20 amp or something like that. They'll have the, like the four little ones. You've got to make sure they're the right kind. If you have an older car, it's going to be the glass type and the newer ones ever since I think the, the late eighties or early nineties have had those plug-in fuses. And that's, I guess what confuses me a little bit about that is that if a fuse blows, there's a reason. Okay. And if you, uh, okay, great. You have a new fuse to put in there, but chances are you put that new fuse in there. The problem is still existent. Right. And the new fuse is going to blow too. What else do you, so those are the eight things that mechanics say you should keep. What, what else are you keeping? Yeah. What else, what else is in there? What else is in there that comes in handy? Right. Right. That's not the, the again, the spare nap. Like, is anybody keeping keys? I mean, is there anything? And do you lock your glove box? I'm ours, trying to think. I used to have one can't. that locked. Yeah. I don't think mine does either. Uh, or, yeah, ours doesn't anymore. Uh, the one on my old car does. But I think that's because people just didn't use to lock their cars. So now, I mean, if you lock the doors, they can't get into the glove box. 913-586-7798. Uh, if you would like to get in here. We're getting calls. We'll take a break. We'll get to your calls next on KMBZ. The list is pretty consistent. Uh, that we found out of Lifehacker. I've got a couple other ones in front of me that have these eight things on it. Uh, so this is kind of a good list of the stuff that you should keep in your glove compartment. Yeah, and a couple of them are coming in off of the text line as well. Uh, in fact, yeah, Colin uh, popped a couple of them up on our thread as well about other things that could come in handy. Bottle of water, never yeah. a bad idea. Just just to have something like that, maybe like a protein bar, power bar or something yep. if you get caught somewhere where you're going to need something to eat. 
uh, something that will keep for a long time. That sort of thing is coming up. Somebody even said, uh, you know, small blanket and a, a wind-resistant jacket. Uh, keep those in the trunk. We could spend another hour talking about, like, the emergency kit that you keep in your trunk. Yeah. The, for sure. The one I'm curious about is somebody said nail clippers and a file. Um, John, you never know when it's going to be an emergency <laughs> and you break a nail. <laughs> And you're going to have to file that down. That's, that's what I'm thinking is the urgency of that just seems a little odd to me, but I can see having them in there. Let's see, Cindy and Belton has something to add in. Hello, Cindy. Hi. I just learned this not very long ago, and I'm 65 years old, that there is a socket that will change your tire that you put it on the lugs, and every car has one that's specific to it. So if you don't have that particular socket, they can't take your tires off. Right. Yeah. And some of them lock and you need to have the key to the locking uh, lug nut uh, um, on you somewhere. And the, the young man, he says, I'm not going through your glove box. You know, I have like, three of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I really am glad you didn't do that. Yep. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. Was, hey, and you know what? Uh, if I have like people with me and they have water and they don't finish a bottle, I keep one in there or a couple just to wash hands. You know, if you have yeah. to do something, you get all dirty. At least you've got water to wash your hands. I'm not drinking a bottle of water left in the car, but right, mm-hmm. no, right. But, oh, those are mine. All right, hey Cindy, thanks. Uh, and before we get to Josh, real quick, I mentioned that they did some history on this as well in the article, and I didn't know this that the reason why the glove box exists in the first place is because it dates back to the 1920s and the 19 teens when, in order to start your car, you had to go up in front with a crank. And physically oh, wow. crank the engine over. Uh, okay. A lot of people that ended up with broken arms that way, too, because they do kick back. But um, th- th- that was they built that compartment in there so that you would be able to have a place to store that. And the reason gloves came into the mix is because, well, first of all, cars weren't they didn't have great heaters back then if they had heaters at all. But if you were going to crank that thing to get the engine started, you didn't necessarily want to do that with bare hands because your hands oh, would be all greasy and gross. Okay. And it's interesting that they stayed because yeah. now we have so many other places in our car to put things like the console. I mean, there's there's more in the console between my my seats than there is in that glove box because yep. I have short arms and I can't reach it. So <laughs> there's just a lot more that sits there in between. I think it's funny now, as some of you are thinking more about it, of the stuff that you keep in there. A lot of the stuff that you're texting and that you keep in your glove box, I keep in my trunk. But somebody just said a small hammer to break a window. A couple of you have said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's one that every time that comes up, we also mention that, uh, that you can take the headrest off. Right. And if you need something to do that, to break a window from the inside, you take the headrest off. It's got two big metal bars that hold it into the seat and use mm-hmm. them. You can smash a window with one of them. Can't do it with your elbow like they do in the movies. It won't work. Trust me, it'll break your elbow before it breaks the glass. One of you does a lot of car picnics. <laughs> and you keep everything paper plates straws salt pepper sugar everything in your in your glove box love it um, okay yeah <laughs> a car picnic all right off to jim in kansas city we go next hello jim hello hey there okay here we are hey uh jamie said she would never want a multi-tool in her car i understand that she's not going to use pliers or a knife but one multi-tool she should have is a little miniature swiss army knife it has tweezers, a toothpick, a uh, just a little blade, and scissors, all in one little uh, thing about the size of lipstick. That would be, my wife has them, and she uses it all the time. For what? 
in the car for what? For cutting a package in the car if you need to with the blade. The toothpick hem shaver come out of a restaurant and all say, oh, my God, look in the rear view mirror. I got a big chunk there. You got a toothpick right there in your uh, multi-tool or your little Swiss Army knife. Okay. All right. All right. Jim, good advice, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the little toothpick. <laughs> and that's uh, the thing where you can open a can, uh, you know, the, the little can opener on the Swiss Army oh, knife. It takes, yeah. it takes about a week. <laughs> to get a, a single can yeah. open with that thing. I don't know if anybody's ever done it. Uh, let's see. I think we have Josh on the line we back do. in the Northland. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. Hey, what do you so, got for us? Um, uh, so, like, the plastic bottles for washing your hands or whatever, that's just don't drink it, especially if it's been in there through the summer months because the heat will, you know, fuse the plastic particles into the water. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, an emergency, you know, if you don't have anything else, yeah, but like a metal container or an aluminum container for drinkable water uh, would be better. Um, I do want to say a lighter, something like that. And uh, I, I just wanted to throw out there the whole breaking a window with the headrest is a myth, man. You're not going to be able to do that if the windows rolled up. There's no way. Really? There's been multiple people that have debunked it, even with the car not submerged in water, which would make it even harder. Yeah. You're not breaking that window with with that headrest. You, what, you really need to get a window breaker tool. What about windshields? The windshield? Yeah, the glass is a that lot needs, thinner. Uh, I, I I I've I've watched multiple people like test it out, and you know, talking guys, you can tell that they work out. Yeah, they can't break the windows. Okay, all right, they've tried. Are they, yep. Thanks for the correction. Appreciate it, Josh. Um, yeah, somebody just said pepper spray. I just did this. I just went through, I think I said this when I got back from my trip, I went through and I bought like a, several personal safety devices that I didn't own before. Yeah. I did not own pepper spray. And I'm, I feel sort of ashamed about that. And so I bought one now that I keep in my purse and one that I keep in my car, just in case I don't, my purse, my car, my purse is always accessible, but just in case. Gotcha. Um, yeah, some of this other stuff is coming in. It's, yeah, keep, I, I told Colin during the break, one of the things I keep, in my and I don't know why I do this in my glove box, but anytime I get my car repaired, I keep the paperwork in the glove box. I don't know why I don't bring it in and put it in the file, but every yeah. time I get a new tire, that just I shove that in the glove box. I guess I mean if if you're going to go tr- trade your car in, now you do a lot more planning when you go to buy a yeah. car than most people do, which speaks yes. well of you by the way. We we yeah. all should do that. But most of us just get, you know, let's go look at cars and then you end up buying one. At least you've got all that documentation. It's there. You don't have to run back home and get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are, keep these coming in. Um, someone just said, yes, pepper spray does have an expiration date, but I think it's like five years. Yeah. So no big deal. <laughs> so do condoms, which somebody else texted <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, just remember, they, they do have an expiration date on them. So, yeah, uh, for, for those of you who are hopeful for a much better weekend than you would have had otherwise, just check the date. <laughs> I think we'll end. Well, I, think, I think we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, Colin, real quick before we break. Talk to us a little bit for a second about what we're going to do coming up after uh, 12 o'clock. Yeah, professor mentor of mine uh, from Kansas State passed away just before Christmas. So uh, I contacted one of my uh, other former professors that worked with him for a while, and uh, he's going to come on and just give him some insight into uh, his life and kind of what he meant to to radio. Big name in broadcasting, absolutely. We lost a couple of them over the last few days, so we're looking forward to that. Excellent. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ.